This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, intuition and the best movie one-liners. Consciousness like an iceberg. So we're only aware of the very tips sticking out of the water. And most of what your brain's processing, all the different information, what you're seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, all that stuff you're not conscious of. We fall for the trap that it's easy to imagine. And then you'll find that when you get that feeling, when something's about to happen, you won't ignore it. You'll start following it, right? And you'll begin to trust it. And you'll know when to trust it, when not to trust it. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe, leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So I want to get right to our first guest. This is intuition researcher and cognitive neuroscientist, Dr. Joel Pearson. What is intuition? Like, I know what it is, but I don't know what it is. So the way I define it is a little different from some other people, right? So I'm not talking about a magical sixth sense, right? Tapping into the universe or the ether, you know, anything spiritual necessarily or magical like that. So I define it fairly simply, as the productive use of unconscious information for better decisions and actions. Unconscious information. That's like stuff that I notice, but I don't know, notice that I notice. Is that? Yeah, exactly. What's unconscious information? Yeah, so our brain, so, so right now you're sitting here and your brain's processing a ton of things. It's processing, but you're focusing attention on, on, on me, hopefully, my, my face, my voice. But you're not processing, you know, the air conditioning or the temperature where you are, maybe the way your back or leg feels in the chair. If I say, how does your leg feel? Is it comfortable? Now you can pay attention to that. And all of a sudden, you might become conscious of how the chair or the cushion or all these other things. So there's a whole lot of things going on in the background. And so people talk about consciousness like an iceberg. So we're only aware of the very tips sticking out of the water. And most of what your brain's processing, all the different information what you're seeing, hearing, feeling, smelling, all that stuff you're not conscious of, but your brain is still processing it. So the information is still there in your brain. You're just not aware of it. So that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. All the information as you walk through life, you walk into a cafe, the music, the temperature, the style, how cool the staff look, if there's tablecloths, no tablecloths, you know, and a hundred other variables, all that's being processed by your brain. And in that 
second or two as you walk into the cafe, that all those things are triggering associations and you're feeling that. We can dive you know, as deep as you want into the science around that. You're feeling that as a feeling, right? In the gut, in the chest, maybe the fingertips, right? So the, the, the thousand other times you've been to a cafe to get a coffee, your brain's learned that certain music, certain style, certain colors, certain this, certain that, predict good coffee or bad coffee, shitty food, good food. And that's all that learning's been happening under the hood. It's all been happening unconsciously. So when you walk into the cafe, you don't have to do anything or think anything. You just feel it. And that's that, that gut feeling that, that we talk about with intuition. We're feeling it in our bodies. We're not rationally, logically going through all the different options. So are we kind of like making a decision without knowing that we're making a decision? Yeah, well, it's not the actual final decision, but it's the evidence for the decision. Right? We're getting a, a feeling, sometimes very strong. I like this person or like red flag, alarm bells, I don't trust them. So you get, it's the extra evidence towards the decision. Um, and so the idea with intuition is to learn to trust that, to use that. And this book that's that just coming out is really about five rules based on the science for how to make that the most legitimate signal, how we can trust that. Because my message is not that intuition is always good or always bad. Right? I don't want people to go out there and just trust it all the time because there are specific situations when you, sh you can trust it, but other times when you should absolutely not use it. So is this happening in a specific part of the brain that you would say like, okay, that's intuition working versus, okay, that's rational thought working? So it depends on what the information we're talking about. It's going to involve the limbic system, which is that sort of the amygdala is part of the limbic system, the emotions, we're feeling it. It's also going to involve the body. So we have this, so we can perceive things out in the world. I can look around the room and see things. But I can also perceive stuff inside my body. Whether I go to the bathroom, whether I'm hot or cold, hungry, thirsty. That's called interoception, just internal perception. So when my brain re responds to something emotional, even if it's unconscious, my body still responds. So we can do this in the lab. I can show you a nasty image, render it unconscious. So you never are consciously aware of it, but your body will still respond. Your heart rate will go up, you'll start sweating just a little bit more. Um, so your body responds, even though you have no idea what it's responding to. And that is part of this feeling. So you can tap into the, that information through sensing your body. But is it only kind of after the fact stuff? God, I can't even think of a great example right off the top of my head. But I think everybody has experienced this where you notice something that like, oh, that's a little off. And then you find out later that this thing had happened or that thing had happened. You'll get the feeling as it's happening. Like I said, you run into someone in the street and maybe you'll get an off, a funny feeling about them, right? Something just doesn't click. It doesn't feel quite right. And you, you maybe you have no idea why, right? You don't have time to go, hmm, is it their twitchiness? Is it the speed they're talking? Is it their hairstyle? Is it this? Is it that? Or, but you just feel something. And then... Later on, you might find out, you know, they're trying to scam you. They're trying to do this. They're trying to do that. Or maybe your intuition was false and it was misleading and they were really genuine. So often you find out later what the signal might be based on. But in the moment, it's all happening too quickly. So it's all under the hood. You're going to feel it as it's happening in real time. Um, and some people can tap into that a lot more than others. Some people feel these signals very strongly. Other people... They don't really notice it as much. 
And when you give, you know, if you send out a study to, to people and you ask, how do you make decisions every day? Some people say very logically, very rationally. Other people say, no, I make very intuitive decisions and I feel my way through things. So there's this full spectrum um, in the world. And, and about 10 years ago, we developed a method to measure intuition in the lab. Um, and it's kind of complicated, but we, we found a way to, I call it emotional inception, like that, um, like Inception, the Chris Nolan yeah, film yeah, with yeah. DiCaprio, right? So, we, so we're not doing dreams, so we, we can do it when people are awake. And we show them a, a positive or a negative, like an image. Maybe it's like a snake or a spider or something pretty scary. Then we can flash stuff in the other eye and it becomes invisible or unconscious. But as I said before, the brain's still processing it. So their body still responds, the brain's still processing a negative or a positive image, but they have no idea. And at the exact, exact same time, they have to make a very simple decision. And that's just looking at some dots moving left or right. Super simple. Um, and that's the, that's the conscious decision. So all they're going, they're just looking at these dots, they go, up oh, left. Another trial, oh, the dots are now going to the right, oh, now to the left. And without them even knowing it, we're feeding in these unconscious images. And what we can show is that people who are good at intuition can utilize those unconscious images because we set it up in a way that the images kind of give away the answer to the moving dots thing. Oh, right? So they're so feeling can. the emotion and that gives, they feel positive, that gives the answer, say, to the right. They feel negative, that gives the answer to the left. So after a few trials, they start to learn this association unconsciously, and then their decision accuracy goes up. They start responding more quickly. They get more confident in their decisions, and they don't even know this is happening. So once you understand what intuition is and how we can think about it, it becomes quite sort of straightforward to, to think about how the brain works and how learning works and memory uh, and, and a bunch of other things. And these rules naturally emerge from the way we understand the brain. So when we talk about like tapping into it, how do you tap into this? Like how do you use this kind of for your advantage? So in the book, I have an acronym SMILE, right? So that stands for a couple of important things. So the idea is, you know, before you use intuition, smile, remember to smile. And it's just five rules uh, about when, when and how to practice intuition. And the S, the first thing is self-awareness. And that really, is trying to be aware of your emotional state. So the rule there is that we shouldn't practice intuition if we're feeling anxious or depressed um, or any strong emotion, right? Even positive, you've just fallen in love, you've just won the lottery, whatever it might be, these strong positive emotions are gonna sort of flood out the subtle feelings of intuition as well. So there's, there's good data now that decision-making and in, in fact, specifically intuition gets, doesn't really work when you're depressed or anxious. So if you're in those states, just stay away from it. But more generally speaking, right, if you think about what intuition is, it's tapping into these, these feelings, these internal bodily sensations. And if you're highly anxious or stressed or over the moon, right, you're just not going to be able to tap into that anymore you're going you're gonna to be confused about the source of those emotions. And that's something, humans are not very good at that. It's called arousal misattribution. Um, so we often get confused about where a signal is coming from. So a neat story on this is one of my uh, many years, you know, over 10 years ago now, before I got married, I went on a first date rock climbing, right? And... We were rock climbing, indoor climbing gym. It was amazing chemistry. We were all pumped up. Oh, amazing. 
Turns out didn't work so well. We weren't suited to each other. But on that first date, it felt amazing, right? And that I realized a couple of years later was this arousal misattribution. So when you're rock climbing, you got adrenaline, you're high up off the ground, you're falling, swinging back in, right? You're feeling all this heart rate's high and humans are just lousy at, at knowing where these signals come from. So what happens is you think this, you're feeling this way because of the other person and you're not at all. You're feeling it because of the rock climbing. Now the M, the, the M in smile, what's that? Yes, yeah, so that's mastery. So that's, so that's around learning. Um, so I mentioned before that the way we, I think about and the way we talk about intuition is that we have to learn these, these associations, like all the things in the cafe, right? The tablecloths, the music, whatever it is, what predicts good or bad coffee, for example. So you have to learn that. And it takes time to learn that. So the idea is if you've never had coffee, never been to a cafe before, you're not going to have intuition for good or bad cafes, right? You walk into a cafe, any feelings you have aren't going to be useful, right? So you need to have some mastery at something before you can start relying on your intuition. And the I? Yeah, that's for impulses and addiction. So importantly, when we're, when we're dealing with addictive substances, you know, drugs, alcohol, smoking, but also, you know, gambling, social media, checking your email, the draw, the pull towards these things can feel a lot like intuition, right? It can feel natural, this urge, ah, oh, I want to have another drink. I want to check my, my social media or whatever it might be. And that's not intuition. And we shouldn't confuse the two. And we shouldn't try and use the idea of, you know, natural intuition as an excuse to, to go into towards these addictive things. How about the L and the E? So, so L is for low probability, but it really, it's it, it really for all probability, probabilistic thinking, so numbers. So we're just really bad. Human brains aren't developed or evolved, or we're just, we're just lousy at trying to understand numbers. So especially things that are low probability, we're just not good at, right? So we think of, you know, I'm here in Sydney, Australia, and we've got a fantastic beaches, but people get freaked out about sharks, right? You go for a swim and you start, you know, especially if you're my age, you you hear the Jaws music, right? You imagine the sharks swimming underneath you. Ah, and you get out of the water, right? But the probability of it being bitten by a shark is so low, right? You know, it's, it's, it's lower than being in a car accident or being in a fatal car accident. Like it's, it's something we don't really need to worry about, even if you swim a lot. But we fall for the trap that it's easy to imagine, right? It's emotive. We can imagine a shark. It's, our, our, our fear centers of the brain become active. And it's kind of scary. So things that are easy to imagine will confuse and think they're more likely to happen, basically. So we get probabilities there totally wrong. Like the things we should be worried about are more like cardiac event, like heart attacks, these kinds of things. When you ask people what they're scared of, they say public speaking, sharks, you know, things like that, right? Um, not the things that can actually really hurt us. We'll just feel a sense for something and it'll be misleading. So the general rule here is just avoid using your intuition for anything around probabilities, numbers, right? Gambler's fallacy is another one. If you're in a casino, you know, playing roulette and you see, you know, you get three or four or five blacks in a row, you're going to start thinking, oh, a red has to come up now, right? And that's totally wrong because each spin of the wheel is completely independent to the last one. But it's so hard to believe that because you feel like if there's been five blacks, you know, it's begging for a red now. There just has to be a red coming up next. So the E is for environment, and that, that really links back to the M for learning. So the kind of learning uh, we're talking about here, this is you know associative learning, good old Pavlov's dogs, right? The classical conditioning, good old psych 101 stuff. 
Um, and so you're learning these cues for the environment and what they predict, good or bad outcomes. And importantly, this kind of learning is context, environment specific, which turns out it's important if you think about it. So if you've mastered intuition in the workplace, in your office, right, and then you go home, part of that learning is location specific. So it actually won't transfer that well to different environments, to different locations of context. Um, and the example I often give of that is of Steve Jobs at Apple, right? Because he wrote and talked about intuition. He went to India. He loved using intuition. He used it for product design, for sort of directing Apple and which way it would go. Later in life, when he had some health challenges, he made some sort of what people would call poor choices. He said no to surgery. He put that off and went for very alternative treatments against his doctors and other people's um, suggestions. And so that would be an example of where, you know, you could master intuition so well in one domain and at work when it comes to your health and other areas, a different context, um, it doesn't transfer as much. And so it's an easy thing to feel, to, to, to fall for. When I'm traveling, I'm in a different context, right? I find it really hard to not use my intuition for, for navigation. If I'm going for a run, I love running, you know, I'm running out in the forest and trees navigating where the, the sun's you know set, rising and setting in a different place it will confuse my navigation skills um gestures is another one i talk about in the book right in different cultures and different countries different gestures thumbs up or this kind of signal mean very different things and so we've got to be very careful for when we've we've learned intuition for one thing and then we transfer that to a different location and interestingly the learning is also uh dependent on the internal state of our bodies Right, so the old joke is, you know, you come home, you've had a few drinks, you come home drunk, you throw your keys somewhere. The next morning, you're like, damn, where are the keys? I can't find them. Right, you have a couple of drinks again, bang, the memory comes back. So, in other words, things you learn when you're drunk, you'll actually remember slightly better when you're drunk again. So the internal state of your body is not just the where you are physically; it's the internal state. If you're highly caffeinated, if you're stressed, up or down that state gets built into the memory along with the physical location. It kind of sounds like it lets us fill in the blanks of familiar situations. Like we notice this thing, then we know that these dominoes are going to be next, but it has to be the exact same kind of situation in some regard. Yeah, it has to be because the, the learning. So the, for that, the example I give is you know, like if you're studying at school or university and you, you're in your bedroom studying for hours, cramming for the exam, right? What you're actually learning is, is also all the information encodes the bedroom, the music you might be listening to, the smell, right? So one of the, the study tricks the students will use is they'll try and replicate, they'll use oil or smells, incense or fragrance, or, you know, like lavender or peppermint oil, have that smell while they're studying. When they go to the exam, they'll put that smell, that oil back on, you know, on their wrist. So they recreate the same environment, the same smell as when they were studying, because you actually want the, the testing environment and the study environment to be as similar as possible. If you're chewing gum when you're studying, you want to be chewing gum in the exam. So you want to recreate the environment as closely as possible. So why, when, you, when you look at your research, right, like why are some people good at it? Why are some people not good at it? Yeah, great question. Um, so this is something we don't have the full answer for this yet. I think it has something to do with that, that, that internal perception, that, that fancy word, interoception. 
So I think some people have stronger emotional responses and they're more sensitive to their internal state. So in other words, the same thing might be happening in their body, but some people can go, whoa, I'm feeling this heavy feeling, this sinking feeling in my gut. Uh, I don't trust this person. Someone else, their body's still responding, but they're like, I have no idea. They just don't feel it. So just in the same way that some people are more sensitive visually, optically, perceptually, they can look at their, their eyesight's much better. They can see things much better. People are better. Some people are better at this internal perception. And that's going to make a difference, right? You, you're much more sensitive over years and years of you know, making decisions. You're just going to start noticing these feelings and you're going to start trying to use them to help your decision making naturally. And so you're going to learn to practice intuition just by yourself if you're feeling it. So we think that's the answer, but we haven't really nailed that with experiments yet. That's what we want to work on uh, next. It does seem like a hard thing to be like, okay, how can you really measure and study this? It's early in the evolution of intuition as a science. It's a young science, in other words. Um, and when I talk to a lot of you know, leaders in business, CEOs, um, they're a little shy about saying they use intuition for big decisions. In private, they'll say, absolutely, I use intuition for huge decisions. I have to. I don't have time to get all the information. The information is you know, ambiguous at best. So I have to make these gut responses. But they're still a little bit embarrassed about being public about that, going, you know, telling the board, telling the general public that's how they'll make big decisions. So part of my reason for, for talking about this, for writing this book, The Intuition Toolkit, um, is to change that taboo, to try and make intuition as a legitimate science, something that we can understand, something that we have a guide to. And if people follow these five rules, then we can more or less trust their decision-making. And it's not woo-woo or spiritual or magical for a CEO to say, you know, no, I, I use my intuition for this decision. I followed the science and it's all good. It's the best decision I can make. Are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Absolutely. Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> Who's better, men or women? Oh, great question. Yeah, people love asking this. So it turns out when you ask people how intuitive are you, self-reporting, Women report being more intuitive and report uh, that they think they're better at making intuition. They use it more often. They also score high, more, uh, much higher on what's called magical thinking. This is sort of the, the, the believing in magic, but also being more spiritual and a whole range of other things. In gen generally speaking, men report being more rational and being more logical in their decision making. Here's the caveat, except when it comes to sport and gambling. So when it comes to gambling around sport, all of a sudden in that narrow topic, on average again, uh, men report all of a sudden doing very superstitious and magical thinking. You know, they, they cross their fingers, they cross their legs, they wish this and wish that, their team's going to win. So what we want to do next is start testing people, men and women, uh, at, in our lab-based uh, measurements to try and get a more accurate understanding of of is, is one sex or one gender better? Are different races better and why? Because sort of intuition is also more respected or less respected in different cultures. Often in, in Asian style cultures, it, it is more respected and people look up to intuition and respect it more, uh, generally speaking, than in Western cultures. So that's something interesting as well. Have you ever seen somebody that was like an outlier and the savant of intuition? Funnily enough, so we are, we've just launched this brand new uh, experiment. So it's a big study uh, through generally a uh, big donation to the university, philanthropy. I can't go into the details yet because it's just beginning. 
But that's exactly what we're looking into. And it does seem that some people are off the chart with this. Now, we don't really understand why or how, what's going on yet, but there does seem to be exactly what you said, Nick. Like, so these, these outlier people that are just really good at this. Then I would imagine the opposite is true, though, too, that there's also people who are just absolutely terrible at it. Yeah. So when we give people questionnaires, some people will say, um, yeah, I, have, I feel no intuition. I make all my decisions very rationally, logically, pros and cons list. When we get them into the lab and we test them in our objective, reliable lab-based measure for intuition, they don't really get a boost for these unconscious positive or negative images. They just don't seem to be able to utilize that information. So it makes no difference whether you add those images in, take them away, their decision-making stays the same. Whereas people who report making everyday intuitive decisions in their life, when we get them into the lab, they get a big boost from these unconscious images. So the way people feel like they make everyday decisions does seem to be related to the architecture of the brain, the way we're measuring this in the lab, this kind of thing. So yeah, there is a big distribution here and people at both ends of the spectrum. We kind of talked a little bit about this before, but I'll ask the question because it got asked to us. Are there er like what areas do people seem to be strongest in intuition? What areas do they seem to be weakest? The weakest, I would say, is when those five rules aren't met, right? So anything around probabilities, bang, we just get we get totally wrong, right? So that's and that's, and that's why I sort of develop this framework and these rules. So things like that. So there's some cognitive biases which which sort of lead us astray when we think about numbers. So Probably the probab probabilistic thinking is one of the areas where we're absolutely the worst. Um, then I would also say that we talked about the environment and learning. What I didn't mention before is if the environment's random, there's nothing to learn. And this, this is the, like the casino, right? If the roulette wheel is random, you can't learn to predict that. Your intuition has nothing to learn because it's, 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 it's random. So in random environments like that, we have to be careful because we can't learn a pattern. Um, but we may not realize, we may still have false alarms when it comes to intuition. And I came up with this word, I, so I call this misintuition, as in a misfiring of intuition. So when we feel like we get intuition, but it's totally wrong and it leads us astray, like the Steve Jobs example. So I call that misintuition. So that's a word I coined to, cut, so to talk about when things go wrong and when we should not follow our intuition. At its best for predictable, reliable environments, things that we can learn pretty easily, uh, when all those five rules are met, when we're pretty calm. Also something that is also part of that is the learning process. So if you're, if you're making decisions about things that take a long time to get the feedback from, you know, you're talking about buying a house, maybe it takes you a year to really feel like you, you know, it's a good house or a bad house. You're buying stocks for the long term, you don't know whether you've made a good choice for months, maybe. And so it's very hard to learn with this very slow feedback system. Whereas if you're playing sport, you make a choice, you get the feedback immediately, you get tackled or you get knocked over, whatever it is. So you get that feedback straight away and you're making you know, hundreds of, or thousands of decisions over and over and over. So when that feedback loop, that whole process is really fast, the learning's accelerated. Do you, is there any research in the sense of like, okay, well, people are right this amount of times? Huh. Not, not with any hard numbers, I would just say, because it, it depends on too many variables. It depends on their state. 
what this what they're making the decision about um you know it, it just depends on too many things that would be the thing because i think that all of us have those experience where like i noticed something was off but i didn't react to it in any way like i just yeah. kept going about it and even though in hindsight i think back and like oh i should have noticed something then and done something then i never make that change and start to be like no wait stop here focus on that thing that you just noticed was odd but why do i never like make that change like why don't i ever learn from my mistakes i guess right it's it's a matter of practice daily practice learn to do that to stop and take a moment you don't have to figure out what's you know what are all the, the hundred variables or the hundred things that that's triggering this feeling just note the feeling, you know, decide whether you're going to follow it or not, and just keep and, and just make a few notes about it later. And then over time, the idea is to, to see those, those decisions improve. That's the way I, th I think the best approach to intuition, have a daily practice, internalize those five rules so you don't have to think about them. But first, you will have to. It'll be some effort involved. Um, and just practice intuition, small decisions, build them up over time. and then you'll find that when you get that feeling when something's about to happen, you won't ignore it. You'll start following it, right? And you'll begin to trust it. And you'll know when to trust it, when not to trust it. So that's pretty much all the questions that I have. Is there anything? I know the book is coming out. What's the name? Where can people get it? That kind of stuff. So it's going to be called the Intuition Toolkit in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, in the UK, it's just going to be called Intuition, that shorter title. Um, right now, it's not uh, the the US version is not out right now. People can buy and get it shipped from the UK or Australia. If people like the sound, the the, the dulcet sounds, the sounds of my you know calming, relaxing voice, the audio book will be out as well at Audible and, and other sources, and that's read by me. So people can uh, download that. Um, yeah, and so I mean, I'm on a mission to try and basically improve people's lives through better decision-making, right? And, and trying to bring, mix this, this idea of is rational, logical decision-making with the feeling, the spiritual, the softer side of humans and bring those two things together. I want to thank Dr. Pearson so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And we've also included his information along with a link to his new book in the episode description. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. Do you think that your life would be easier if you were younger or older? Same situation, just a younger or older version of yourself. My immediate reaction is, say, is to say younger because if it was the same circumstances, uh, I'd rather be younger than older for sure to deal with all with everything we deal with on a daily basis as being a father, employee, tax-paying citizen. I feel like I'm actually in a situation where my life would be easier if I was older 
because I'm hitting like the early stages of a midlife crisis and I don't really know what to do. So I feel like an older version of me would be wiser, but otherwise I would say younger. Do you need to talk about it? Do you need to tell us what's on your mind and what's been weighing you down? No, uh, midlife crisis, man, when you approach it, it's weird. It's like starting your life over again, but with less options. So are you just in the gym, eight hours a day, just listening to Disturbed and just... No, I'm not like buying a Corvette. I mean, ju just for the age aspect alone, I would rather be younger. Because finality is scary, right? I feel like when you're younger, no matter what situation you're put in for most people... It's like, oh, I'll get through it, or I can break my arm in, in three months, I'll be fine, or, you know, I'll get a better paying job at some point. It's, you know, I feel like obviously the older they get, you get those options, that time goes away or becomes more precious. Yeah, I would agree that most of the time it would be younger. And I asked our audience about this same question. 60% said their life would be easier if they were younger. 20% said it would be easier if they were older. 21% said it would be the same either way. So I agree that most of the time it would be better if you were younger. But I think there are some circumstances where an older version of you would probably handle a big decision better. I don't want to speak for everybody, but I feel like most people would not make some of the decisions that they made, you know, to get to where they were if they could go back to being younger. I would like to know what my options are. That's what I want on my deathbed. Like, if we go somewhere else, I would like to somebody to just, like, sit down and be like, look, here's all the things that you could have done or been or whatever. <laughs> like, choose your own adventure, and they ran through all the different possibilities of your life. I think that would be the coolest thing in the world. No, That's I, what I want. I would not. I mean, I would want that now because maybe, you know, I'd be able to achieve some of those. I, I don't want to know all the regrets that I could have as I'm, I'm like, dying. That's not a way to go to to die. <laughs> oh, I just want to know what the possibilities are, man. Like, oh, you know what? Mm -hmm. If you did this, you could have been president. And if you did this, you would have been the most hated man in the world. Yeah, no, I'm good. Which might be the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, uh, we're not going to talk politics yet. Uh, but regardless, um, no, I, I would not want to. That, that's I am a strong no on that one. I would... I would just want them to pull the plug if, like, somebody came up to me and was like, well, John, when you were 18, if you would have done this and that, you would have been married to, you know, uh, Shakira. Like, I don't want to know that, you know, as I'm dying. Yeah, but you don't think that that would be kind of interesting? I think that'd be cool to be like, you know what, if you would have done this, like, this would have happened, and that would have happened. I, and even I, if it was, like, a little thing, like, you know what, if you would have gotten cherry Coke... <laughs> Instead of regular Coke here, your whole life would have been different. I mean, I, I, once again, I, it's fine. I would just rather know now, you know, like at, at, at 40, have someone come tell me all the things that I've screwed up or are opportunities I miss now. So maybe then I'd be more open to doing things differently in my last 12 years. If you think about it, that's... Yeah. Well, you're at the gym now. Oh, my you might God. Have 13, maybe 14. Dude, we're not doing this. We're not doing okay. this because you just want to go down the road of talking about your basement, the weather, or now that you're going to the gym. Can I just, can I just tell one story? It made me, it, it, 
it warmed my heart, and I feel like okay, fine. Thank you. Fine. Tell your gym story. I'll keep it to sixty seconds. So, I just do cardio now, right? I'm a guy. I'm a big guy. Like I don't need to have any more mass. None of that, right? So I, I do cardio, and I go to Planet Fitness, and obviously most of their cardio machines overlook the weights and whatnot. Uh, just this past week, there it was very early in the morning. And this woman is on like a lat machine. It's the the machine that you pull back towards your your body, and you you know you tense your back up and whatever it works out your back muscles. Well, some guy had the great idea of basically setting up a mat next to her, and like he started doing crunches. And I was like, well, that's like yeah, like how close next to like how we need I need to know how close. What is the physical distance between the two of them? I'm gonna say six feet. It's not crazy. No, but w- that's w- w- when there's 14 people in the entire place and you set up and they were not together, by the way. They were not together. Oh, it was noticeably like you could have done that. Yeah. But OK, I have one addendum there. There is at the gym that I go to a treadmill that I like. And I'll get on that, but apologize to the person next to me if I don't already know them because I go at the same time and there's regulars there and all that kind of stuff. And I'll be like, look, sorry, I really like this one. Does it bother you if I'm next to you? I mean, I, I get that. The, to me, it, it did not appear that way. Anyways. Okay. Okay. All right. Long story short, he does maybe six crunches. And then he gets up and he goes over and he grabs a 25-pound plate. And I'm like, oh, this is going to get interesting. What's he going to do with this thing? He puts it on his stomach, and he's going to, like, do weighted crunches. But he, he's not, like, <laughs> he's not, like, the most in-shape guy. So, anyways, he goes to lift his head up one time, and the weight slides off uh, onto his left side. And all I see is, like, him jump to his feet and, like, hold his side. And- oh, he got himself <laughs> He tried to play it cool and instead looked the fool. Oh, yeah. The, That's the best way to do it. The best part about it was this woman was, like, having none of it. He got up, put oh. put the plate back, came back, grabbed his mat, went somewhere else, and she just is continuing her, her sets. Didn't even ask him, I don't think, if he was okay. It was amazing. I don't, unless, I don't make eye contact with people. I don't look at people at the gym. I don't do anything like that. We're not talking about the gym, okay? <laughs> Listen, We're not talking about This it. is fine. You know, I hope other people out there are inspired <sighs> By us and go and go get exercise. All right, it's important. Anyways, okay. Glad you finally realized that after thirty six years. That's you just not true. That's not like, true. Hey, now you're gonna be the workout guy. Like, hey man, you really gotta. You know what? You really gotta start working out, right? Because I've been doing that for a week and a half. And no, let I, me tell you about how great it is. I used to work out. Then I got married. Oh, I met you. Started drinking. Oh, got got married. Excuses. Anyways, is it bad if I walk up to people and I tell them what they're doing wrong? Yeah, you can't do that. I would never tell anyone what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, I would never. Unless, if somebody put 900 pounds on their back and tried to like lift it in a twisting, jerking motion, I'd be like, I don't know. If you I wouldn't say anything. I'd be like, all right, man. I'll call the paramedics when that doesn't go well for you. I, I'm not saying anything. I legit just stand there or, or keep doing my cardio and just watch these events unfold. It's amazing. Um, all right. Uh, we have shout-outs already. I'm kind of excited about the back end of this. Uh little segment we do here because our top five I okay think, it's is a busy day it's a busy day for us chef's kiss i think of top fives coming up for us all right okay well, okay uh let's do some shout outs first shall we uh paul shoka appreciate you angelo showgreen giovanni hernandez scott streeter christina tanette 
Parker Zazali. Pretty sure I screwed up that last name, but hey, I gave Probably. the college try. Uh, Lionel Solano. Uh, let's see here. Taha Zagud. Haley Felon. Randy Herkowitz. Good buddy of ours, longtime listener. And Rob Plua. Appreciate all of uh, all of you that gave us a shout out. Checked us out. Uh, yeah. You know, Nick always promos our social media so much better than me. So I'll let, I'll let him do it, uh, when the episode comes out, but yeah, appreciate you all. I like that. The Randy's a solid name. There's not, it's another one of those names that there can't be a lot of them, but like Randy, Cody. Okay. I can, I can take a couple of those. Can't be a lot of them, but that's all right. Like you never want to have two Randy's in one class. Randy is a great name. I, I've always liked Randy, whether it, whether it be for, you know, Randy, 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 come here, Randy, Randy, Randy. Yeah, you like it's got to be a name that is both serious and fun and slightly unique. This this is just for him, but uh, Randler. Anyways, all right, you ready? You call another man? You say that to another man? I mean, it's it's rare, but yes, that has been said plenty of times. He should punch you directly in the face. Probably for many more things than me saying that, but yes, he probably should. So, um, all right. So if you're just uh, listening to us for the first time, basically this next uh, segment, I pick 10 random things off the top of my head and I just have Nick react to them. Uh, so here we go. Let's start with um, sea lions. <laughs> I used to have sea lions living next to my house. I live in Seattle. I live fairly close to the sound where you can hear sea lions. They're massive. And then somebody, some jerk who didn't like looking at the sea lions, put up a special thing and scared away the sea lions. And now I can't walk down and see the sea lions anymore. And I really hate the fact that it takes only a few people to ruin things for everybody. I have a lot of questions. This isn't really that kind of segment, but I just want to know what was put up to get the sea lions away. There was like a flat, floating, small dock, and they took these big rubberish things that basically make like a half circle, and they put it on top of it to keep the sea lions from resting on it because they didn't want them near their private boat. But anyway, the sea lions came back, and they figured it out. You always lose against Mother Nature. Remember that. Nature will always beat you. Drop the mic episode over. Just kidding. Uh, all right. Uh, syrup. Oh, it's good. I love it. I love it. But really, it's very, it's a, it is a great thing, but it's very limited. You can really only put syrup, in my opinion, on pancakes and waffles. That is an incredibly tasting thing that only goes on two things. You can't put it on anything else without having some dietary problems. <laughs> speaking, speaking to a pro here. Right. You, um, can't, like, you can't be putting syrup on potatoes or something like that. Like, no, you don't put it on your eggs, man. You're going to go down a bad road. Uh, Martin Sheen. Which one is he? He's the he's the dad. But is he the dad of both Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez? Yes, Estevez? I believe. If I'm not mistaken, they have different mothers, but he is their father. Which one do you think he's prouder of? Charlie is definitely more famous and has been in more movies. But the other one is not Charlie. Like, which one do you think Martin Sheen is more proud of? I mean... Emilio or Charlie? Thinking of it from a father perspective, 
I feel like Charlie Sheen has probably kept him up more at night, probably cost him more money as an adult. Yeah, he's probably cost him a lot more. But also at the same time, you're like, Charlie fucking lived life. He lived it hard. Yeah. Do you want, like, the hard partying <laughs> badass? Well, he's not a badass, but you know what I mean. Like, do you yeah. want the kind of hard part? Do you want the rebel kid or do you want the good kid? Like, who are you secretly a little bit more proud of? I mean, once again, I feel like I would want the rebel kid, but only, but you know, I have a rebel kid, and they're and she's disastrous. Uh, I was wrong, by the way. Martin Sheen has been married to the same woman since 1961, and they have four children. So Emilio and Charlie are, you know, same mom, same dad. Uh, That's brother. a long Hollywood marriage. That's got to be setting the records. So he just changed his name so he wasn't a Sheen. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, all he right. Directed some movie that wasn't okay. Anyway, his name's actually Ramon Antonio Gerardo Estevez. If you care to know. Uh, all right. Well, wait a minute. If he's married to the same woman, how does he have a different name? I'm, I mean, I, I I'm not going to read why he changed his last name to Sheen for God's sake. But he, oh his, oh but Martin Sheen's real name isn't Sheen. He changed his name, yeah. and the other guy kept the real name. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, all okay, right. Now this makes sense. Uh, let's see. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, he goes in peaks and valleys. More or less. Biggest movie star in the world at one point in time. Then he kind of faded away. Then he kind of came back. But he's, he's, you have to give that man credit. He has been very good at just about everything that he has done one way or another. Made some mistakes, but. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, he, he has made some mistakes, but. Uh, w- world champion weightlifter, biggest A-lister, bodybuilder, bodybuilder whatever. Uh, I mean, obviously the governor of California. I mean, dude's done some stuff. It is amazing to me that when it kind of comes to, like, handing out things in life, so to speak, some people get all of it. <laughs> like, they get everything. And then some people just get nothing. I mean, some would – yeah, I don't know. Some would say it's work ethic – genes how you're born but i don't think i think arnold was not born into a you know he was not born into a wealthy known family i don't think like he worked his way from austria uh i don't want to say over here because it's not like that's <laughs> greater than, but you yeah. know like he worked his way into hollywood and everything and yeah i think he's earned everything he's ever had so good for him okay i'll be back uh ice cream sandwiches why, why just eat the, I would, I don't, this is okay. I don't understand the need for any other dessert besides chocolate ice cream or different varieties of chocolate ice cream. Every dessert should just be chocolate ice cream because it's better than anything else. It's okay. It's better than anything else. It's like giving people a gift and you can either have the hundred dollar bill, the 50, the 20, the five or the one. Well, I'd rather have the hundred. Give them the hundred. Chocolate ice cream is the best dessert, and it should be every dessert, in my opinion. What if it was a chocolate ice cream sandwich? Don't care. <laughs> Get rid of it. Just a waste. What's the point? What's the point of the ice cream sandwich? It does nothing. It adds very little. All right. Uh, I really just put this on here because I, I know what you're going to say, but I think it'd be funny. Uh, the Grammys. Were they on? <laughs> I don't understand why people care about award shows. Like, I... That boggles my mind. Maybe to see people or something like that, if nothing else is on. But, like, I don't care if you won an award. <laughs> I mean, great. But some would say that's what our culture is based off of. That's how we 
you know, that that's how we define someone's career is by accolades. I don't think that aside from maybe music, I don't think any of my favorite media is an award winning. Like none of my favorite movies are Academy Award winning movies. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, it's. I, I agree with you. By the way, I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but I, I also don't agree with award shows. I don't think they represent what the people want. Right. And right. So, uh, give it to the people. All right. Uh, aviator sunglasses. You better be a pilot, and you better be a fighter pilot, and you better be like one of the good fighter pilots, right? Like, I'm not even talking. You can't even be flying like a bomber. You got to be flying like an F something. <laughs> And then you can do it. Otherwise, no. Just an F something. Has to be an F. F something. Yeah. Uh, all right. What about the uh, the flask tie? I don't even know what that is. There's a tie that's also a flask? Yes. I think we have enough. I don't think that you really need that, right? <laughs> okay? Nobody really needs that. There's plenty of ways to drink in this country i don't think we have a problem with access no matter how old you are there's not an access problem okay there's not uh uh, grunting at the gym you better be doing you better be doing more than me (laughs) because if they're not what are you gonna do nothing you can't be over there. Okay, now I have to tell my god dang it, dude. Now I have to tie my tell my gym story. Yes. And it's going to sound condescending and mean, but it's not. It's just funny to me because I have two boys. <laughs> and so I go to a gym and there's recently been like there's some reason there's a bunch of high school guys that come in. And they're all, I don't know how old, 16, 17, whatever, and they're in there working out. But one thing that happens is you get old man strength. Like a grown man is just stronger than a young man and so they'll be in there like grunting out looking at their muscles flexing in the mirror and benching like 65 pounds and i just find it hilarious and they're like grunting he's like ah it's like oh man you got the tens on there huh (laughs) you got to start somewhere man you got to start somewhere no matter where you start it's best to get started just exercise is great for you but i just i do find it hilarious and if you're going to be grunting as an adult you better be doing more than me I, I I just always like find like the you know grunting I'm okay with it, like in tennis, you know in no no I'm not a fan of grunting at all. I think that if you're really good at something, it should be effortless. I don't think that you should be grunting. Ugh. All right, uh, last thing here, the baby mop. What are these things that you're even talking about? People have brought them up to me in the last week, and I didn't think they were real. But when you Google them, they are actual products. The flask tie that we just talked about. It's the baby mom. What is this? You literally put a a baby in, like, this little carrier thing, and it has, like, mop tassels on it. And they crawl along the floor, and they can clean your floor. Well, that's just doing two things poorly. (laughs) You're not taking care of your child, and you're probably not cleaning the floor, right? Like, any time that you're multitasking, you're doing one thing poorly. At least one thing poorly. I mean... <laughs> I'm I'm against multitasking in general. Let me see here. I mean, you look, I'm looking at it right now. You can buy it at Walmart. Well, Walmart looks like about the only store. <laughs> the only kind of... That's just ridiculous. The only kind of multitasking that I am okay with is reading on the toilet. <laughs> 
Otherwise, um, you should do one thing at one time. Yeah, I guess it's it's fine. I'm I'm cool with it. I mean, I would never buy. I might buy the flask tie at some point in my life, but I would never buy uh, the baby mop because I, this is like right. Like you said, that's one of those purchases. Either the flask tie or the baby mop. You have said something about your life. <laughs> you have just told people that you have problems. I mean, they they ain't gonna clean. They really, you know. Either way, I'm gonna have to be the one that cleans it. So I might I might as well just go into an adult mop. So, so what are you going to do to get the job done correctly? Are you going to spray the floor with chemicals? No, we have a, well, I mean, I have a Swiffer. Right, but what's the baby doing? Don't you need to put some sort of cleaning product on the baby to actually get the thing clean? So you're just Listen. dousing your child in cleaning supplies? The point of this uh, this segment is not for you to overthink this. So let's just... I'm not overthinking that. That's two seconds of thinking. That's a bad idea. <laughs> Let's just move on to... Some idiot's going to put, like, bleach all over their baby. It's probably already happened. You know that's... It's probably already happened. <laughs> Is that your thing? You got all ten of them? Yeah, that's it. No, we're, we're on to... Uh... Oh, what's that sound? Uh-oh. It's time! The outlaw candle connoisseur rides again. Candle of the month. I love it. I love the intro. Uh, all right, we're yeah, yeah. we're gonna take a trip down memory lane here. We're gonna go to maybe two years ago. I got this candle. Didn't even realize I had it, and I was I've done a disservice to myself. I don't even remember how I got this candle. Who gave it to me? But it's uh, by the Poured Candle Company. I believe they are on okay. they are online only from my research. Uh, the scent this month, because it's February, it's going to be 55 degrees here this week in Metro Detroit. So I needed something a little, you know, it's like spring almost in February, which is insane because February is usually Metro Detroit's coldest yep. month. Uh, Eternal Springs. Ooh, I like the name. All right. All right. Tell me about the flavor profile, the scent profile. So in the description says it's inspired by the beautiful springs of downtown Bonita Springs, Florida. So, ew, I've been to downtown Bonita. That sounds terrible. Well, I'll tell you that it has undertones of it's it's very earthy. It's going to hit you with a very earthy. Okay. It's, it's a soy candle, so the the wax the wax is a little thicker. It's it's about eight and a half ounces. It's going to burn for about forty hours. Which, if you've listened to my candle of the month, you know that that's a pretty good burn time for an eight ounce candle. Uh, but in terms of undertones you're gonna get some sage you're gonna maybe get uh like a little bit of lavender lavender hits pretty strong on this one so you have to like lavender but it's just gonna it's just gonna it's gonna calm you it's gonna escape your body to eternal springs it's amazing it's a good candle i think it's uh i don't know about 25 bucks i was looking at it's a, it's a little pricey but um yeah portcandlecompany.com check them out they uh I haven't tried any of their other stuff, but I, I may moving forward. How, when you are deciding when or what, when you are deciding on a candle, like how long are you going to read the description? You feel like you're more of a gut decision maker or are you going to think about it? Well, since I've started doing this, uh, you know, I think I've mentioned this, the brick and mortar stores, I'll just walk into and buy like the two, four, two or four ounce sample sizes. I'll buy two dozen of them at a time. I'll buy every 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 kind they have. 
Um, but obviously, if you're going a little bit fancier, if you're going a little bit more expensive online or whatnot, you know, I take my time. I try to try to fill out things that maybe I've never smelled or things that I haven't heard of before uh, and just give them a try. Okay. Okay. So, All right. So there, uh, there it is. Are you ready for our top? Are you ready for our top five? I was confident, but I, it's it, I don't know. This is tough. This might be the toughest hard one. top five we've ever done. So okay, so uh, our top five is top five action movie one liners. What's your number five? There's there's literally so many. Um, so I I don't I don't even know where to start. So I guess my my list is going to be kind of a personal list because I, I don't know okay. I don't know how else to do it. But uh, so my number five is from They Live. Shout out to Rowdy Roddy Piper when he says, "I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubble gum." That is that's like one of the most memorable lines. It is. Like, everybody remembers that. Is that the same movie where he, like, knees the guy in the crotch for 30 minutes? <laughs> no, that that's the movie where, like, the, he rips... That's a different one. He shoots and then rips off the face of an alien, and, like, you can see the alien's face and skull. It's it's pretty pretty memorable. The Roddy Piper, when he's actually saying that line, is wearing, like, orange, orangish-red uh, um, flannel with these dark sunglasses on. Like, it's it's very memorable. Very memorable scene. I'm going to go my number one is from Blade. Five. Number five. Oh, right. Yeah, right, right. My number five is from Blade. Some people are always trying to ice skate uphill. I, I love that line. Ugh. I still, and I, when I see somebody trying to do something, when I see somebody doing something the wrong way, I always think of that line from Blade. <laughs> Some people are always trying to ice skate uphill. I just love that you gave like the best, you know, superhero some love. Blade's a great movie. That's got to be one of the most underrated movies of all time. It's a great movie. It does not get enough credit. I feel like neither does Wesley Snipes as an actor, but uh doesn't matter. I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about that. I think he gets about the appropriate amount. He's not a great actor or doesn't really seem like a great person either. So anyway. All right, uh my number 4 from the movie Jaws, you're going to need a bigger boat. Is that an action one-liner? Yeah, because it's what... Yes, by far, it's a one-liner. Why? What else would it be? I feel like it's got to be like after they... Like they got to say something to let the bad guys know that they just no. won. No, I mean, they're being attacked by a great white shark. And and the actor okay. stands up and he goes, "We're gonna need a bigger boat." <laughs> it on. is a great movie. You forget like how good that movie is. That guy's probably one of the best characters in that movie. Um, my number four is one I don't, I don't really want to admit this, but Independence Day, <laughs> Welcome to Earth. Oh. Will Smith punches that alien it's like Welcome to Earth. Bam! You're like, yeah, it's I, Earth. I am so happy. Earth. So happy you put that on the list. I, I uh, neglected that from my top five. Oh, it's 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 uh, it's worthy. It's a great line. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. So I I know that like there's there's so many that should be on the list. I know that, and we'll talk about them in my honorable mention or your honorable mention. But I have to put this on the list, and I can't put it in the top two. 
So for my number three, I'm going with Rocky Four, where Ivan Drago looks at uh, um, uh, Sylvester Stallone and goes, if he dies, he dies. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's 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 like, that's great. Like, I, he dies. He dies. If he yeah, you're like oh man, this guy doesn't care at all. You're like this guy's a fucking robot. Sylvester Stallone stands no chance. Shout out to Carl Weathers. Uh, R.I.P. R.I.P. Man. man. R.I.P. R.I.P. He's an Chubbs. under Chubbs. He made a lot of movies though. I don't know if he was a good actor, but when he was in a movie, you were like, okay, well, it can't be that bad. Yeah, I mean, or it's gonna be bad. He just seemed to have career resurgence, like resurgences when he needed them every time. Like Happy Gilmore, right? I don't know what he was doing. In, oh, yeah. In the mid 90s. He did kind of come back. In the 80s, he did all, obviously, all the action movies. And then, you know, I don't know what he did really in the 2000s. And then he latched onto the Star Wars universe and, uh, on uh, Disney Prime he- or whatever. He came back around. He would always come back around. Um, my number three, I don't remember which one it is from. God dang it. My number three, okay. Indiana Jones, no ticket. <laughs> when okay. he punches the guy and throws him out of the window, and he's like, no ticket. No ticket. I love that. <laughs> no ticket. Yeah, I you know surprisingly enough, I don't have any uh, Indiana Jones uh, anywhere. Not even on my on, on my honorable mention. That's not a movie. That's not a franchise that really had a lot of them. That's not not, really. not a not a ton of them. No ticket. I'm gonna get tons of heat for this, but uh, I sincerely think Indiana Jones is an overrated movie franchise. Well, it's got a lot of nostalgia. They really ruined it with like anything aside from the first three movies, yeah, or maybe even the first two movies. I always get confused. It's Raiders of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and then Last Crusade. I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. Okay. All right. What's your number two? My number two, I'll be back. I personally don't have that on my top five or my honorable mention. I think that's overrated because he's not really like he didn't just beat somebody. I think to be a truly gate, I think to be a truly great line, you would he would have had to just like take out somebody and then say that. I, I think the fact that he see, I, I I think the opposite. I think the fact that it is said in dialogue and it has transcended time. And people associate it with an action movie and an action superstar is why I put it on my number. Why why it's my number two. My number two, Princess Bride. My name is Amigo Montoya. Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great, like, yeah, he's going to. It's time. It's time. Best character in that movie is Andre the Giant, R.I.P. All right. Curious. I mean, there's so many for for number one. I went with a bullshit number one, a conservative number one, but I feel like it has to be number one. And for me, my number one is Bond, James Bond. Oh, but I don't remember when he says that. Does he say it every movie? Yeah, and it's usually when he's, you know, obviously introducing himself to somebody, but it's usually a woman, and it's usually right before some kind of, 
big action scene. Oh, or, okay. I think Daniel Craig did it during one of the action scenes in one of the newer movies, if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty iconic. The th- problem is it's iconic, but I don't remember exactly when he says it. That's the problem. What's your number one? Predator. When Arnold Schwarzenegger throws the knife, gets the guy, he's like, stick around. Oh, man. That's great. The delivery on it is great. That's what I think. I think to be a truly great action line, it needs to have some corniness to it. <laughs> it has to be, like, so bad, it's good. I mean, I, I, I just want to get to my honorable mention here, which has a couple of Predator quotes in it. Uh, oh, there's a ton from, okay, let's go. You do one, then I'll do one. Let's popcorn. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Predator. What is that? Pre- Predator. That's Predator? Yep. I'm going to make the argument that the single greatest action movie scene is the Predator machine gun scene in the jungle. <laughs> I mean, I, I it's good. I, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know. But it's good. It's a good scene for sure. Um, I Ain't Got Time to Bleed, also from Predator. I Ain't Got Time. That's a great line too, man. Uh, let's see. I'll throw this one out there because this one's, you know. Whatever. Uh, hasta la vista, baby. What is that one from? That's Terminator. That's from Terminator? That's Terminator. They're basically all Arnold Schwarzenegger. He <laughs> he alone has the top five of this, really, if you think about it. Uh, my number one, or not, wait, no, I don't remember mention, also from a Terminator. No, wait, I think it's Commando. Let off some steam, Bennett. Yeah, that's Commando. When he hits him with the pipe yeah. and the steam comes out, <laughs> right? It's got to have a certain amount of ridiculousness of it. Uh, a personal favorite of mine from Army of Darkness, Bruce Campbell, Michigan suburban native. Oh, God, here we go. The way I see it, you got two things going for you. Jack and shit. And Jack just left town. There's another really classic one from that one, though, isn't it? It's like good, bad, I'm the guy with the gun. Yeah, yep, good, bad. And there's also shop smart, shop S smart. <laughs> Right before he blows off people's heads. Oh, I don't, I don't remember that one. Um, I don't know if it really fits in that thing, but it's uh, Tombstone, Doc Holliday. People think that he says, "I'm okay." Here's the history major. Here comes the history major. So people think that he says, "I'm your Huckleberry," but he actually says, "I'm your Hucklebearer," which is what they used to call pallbearers back in the day. So if you carried somebody's casket to a funeral, you were a huckleberry. So he was actually saying, I'm your huckleberry. Like, I'll take you out. <laughs> I'm he wasn't huckleberry. saying huckleberry. He says, I'm your hucklebearer, not huckleberry. Well, I'll be your huckleberry. Um, I'm just going to run through a couple more of mine here. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Hit it. Say hello to my little friend, Scarface. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, Avengers assemble. But I feel like that's kind of cheating because it's, it's not like a a super thought of action line, I guess. They did basically put that off for like 20 years saying that. <laughs> Somebody had it in their mind like, no, no, no. Don't say it in the first movie. Wait like 30 more movies and then say it. <sighs> oh, boy. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dead or Alive, You're Coming With Me, RoboCop. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it has to like make not a lot of sense. And then I will end, like I said, I there's I mean there's so many, but the last two I'll say is I feel the need, the need for speed, top gun. And you call that a knife? 
This is a knife. Oh, that's a good one. Crocodile Dundee. This is a knife. <laughs> yes. I always like that one. Uh, okay, there's some other really popular ones that I'll just run down the list of. I don't really have most of them in my honorable mention, but there's some other really popular ones. Uh, Dirty Harry, do you feel lucky? He actually says, do I feel lucky? I thought he said, do you feel lucky? But he actually says, do I feel lucky? From Dirty Harry. <laughs> uh, let's see what else. Oh, that one's on there. Yep. Yeah, If He Dies, He Dies is a great one. If He Dies. Get Away From Her, You Bitch, from Aliens. Oh, yeah, man. That's a great line. This is Sparta yeah. from 300, but yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. Die Hard, Yippee-ki-yay. Yeah, that, I did have that on my honorable mention. I just kind of skipped over it. Oh, okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, leave us a quick review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. And with so many good movie one-liners, let us know what you think is the best. I really think it's stick around because it's so bad, it's good. But let us know what you think. Thanks for joining us. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.